Hello, and welcome to the Talent Empowerment Podcast, where we lift up people leaders so they can lift up their organizations. I'm your host, Tom Finn, co-founder and CEO of LegUp. Together, we'll learn how to drive people innovation, how to transform HR into people ops, and how to secure buy-in to disrupt the status quo. And as I like to say, it's finally time to stop smoking on airplanes and update your people strategy. Let's transform your organization and move from a culture of talent management to talent empowerment. This week's episode of the Talent Empowerment Podcast is brought to you by LegUp's Talent Insurance, an inclusive people development platform designed to help HR leaders empower their people through one-on-one professional coaching. With results like a 66% improvement in avoiding burnout, a 54% jump in leadership skills, and a 73% increase in job satisfaction, LegUp guarantees improved employee well-being, productivity, and retention. In fact, they ensure it. Your people stay or they pay. Visit LegUp, that's L-E-G-G-U-P dot com to learn more. And without further ado, this is Talent Empowerment. Welcome to the Talent Empowerment Podcast, ladies and gents, where we lift up people leaders so you can lift up your organization. I am your host, Tom Finn, and today we have Director of Learning and Development and a former U.S. Army leader on the show, Corky Curtis. Corky, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here, Tom. Well, if you don't know Corky, he is the Director of Learning and Development at MBK Real Estate. Uh, It's a leading developer and investor in senior living communities, multifamily residential, and industrial real estate. Prior to joining the MBK team, Corky served in the U.S. Army for more than 20 years, eventually retiring as a senior training manager, which will come into play in just a second as you get to know Corky. He's an experienced people leader, specializing in organizational development, recruitment, operational planning, and he's got a passion for finding innovative ways to keep his team motivated and engaged. You are going to love hearing from Corky today. You're going to love his energy. Um, So I've got to start with sort of the fundamental question, Corky. How do we go from the Army into people development, leadership roles? How did this all get started? Well, um, I guess I'll take you a little further back, and I'll take you back to... Uh, I grew up in a small town in Western North Carolina up in the mountains and surrounded by great people. My dad was a, a restauranteur and owned, owned a business for 50 years and just grew up in a, in a family in a small town where values meant something, your character meant something, a handshake meant something. Uh, so that's kind of where it started and didn't really know what leadership was growing up, I guess. But in high school, my, my senior year of high school, I was the senior class president, and we actually had a tragedy occur in our high school. And it, it led to kind of being pushed into a position where um, it was leadership in crisis. And we had wonderful faculty members and community members that came together that helped us. But as a student body, we wanted to do something a little more to kind of calm nerves and and pull students together. So I learned a lot about leadership there, really not even knowing what the position was or or what I was doing. And so so that's kind of the foundation of leadership for me. It started with a, a focus on values, caring for others, and really just wanting others to to be happy and and be fulfilled. Um, Always played sports, so grew up in a locker room, 
uh, played baseball my whole life. So a lot of those same team values and being a part of a team, really, they really resonated with me. And it aligned with the way I was raised. You, you took care of each other. You were dependable. You, you did those things. And I went to college and realized, hey, I kind of like this Army thing. So my dad was a Vietnam veteran. I really admired service. And it was something that I always knew I wanted to do. And so I joined the Army and kind of was thrust into the world of learning leadership from day one. And really, I think the, the basis of, of my philosophy on leadership is it starts with character, it starts with values, it starts with taking care of people and being who you are and carrying that through what you do. So over the course of my career, I was very fortunate to be in some neat organizations. I was uh, in military intelligence and got to see a lot of fun, sneaky, spooky things, and then transitioned into recruiting. And I think I learned a lot about corporate America in recruiting. I certainly learned a lot about influence in recruiting command because it requires so much to find, find a, a candidate and to go through the process of recruiting. And we may need high school transcripts from a, a high school registrar. And this high school registrar may not feel that this person should join the army. So they feel that they should go to college. So this they're, high school they're registrar, back the information on you. Exactly. They may not be willing to share things. So you had to learn how can I influence this person? How can I build a relationship with this person? Because I think that a common misnomer with when the people think about military leaders, they think everyone does what they're told. Everyone's does what they're told and they're supposed to be where they're supposed to be and they're there on time in the right uniform with the right attitude. And it's just not the reality of humans, right? You know, there's, there's, a, um, there's a saying in the Army's operation manual, manual, never forget that combat is a human operation. And that just resonates with me because it really is about the people. And so I was fortunate my last assignment in the Army was Southern California. It was not horrible. It was wonderful. And um, I was getting ready to retire. And quite honestly, Tom, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I refer to MBK as my first real job because I got to do my passion uh, for the majority of my adult life. And, and I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine and he asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, I have no idea. And he said, well, what do you like doing? And I said, well, I have this MBA and all I really learned was I don't want to do finance and accounting. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah, that's that's what MBAs are good for. I don't want to do finance yeah. or accounting. Can I hire somebody or work with somebody on my team that does that work? It's hard work. Exactly. And so he said, well, what's your passion? And I said, well, I love leadership. I love helping people learn and be the best version of themselves. And he said, oh, that's learning and development. And I said, no, that's leadership. That's what leaders should do. And he said, no, you don't understand. In the civilian world, we hire people to teach us how to do those things. And, and that's how I got the MBK. I was basically handed a organization and said, here, create a learning and development plan that goes beyond compliance and help our leaders be better at, at influencing and, and getting um, the most out of people. And so, so that was in April of 2014, started at MBK. 
And as our company's grown, I've been fortunate enough to grow in that, that influence and those relationships over time. And so that's kind of where we are today. And that's a, a long version. I apologize, Tom. I know you might have wanted something shorter, but that's a long, long road of, of where I got to today. And I think that, you know, it kind of sums up who I am, but also how I like to interact with people and how I want to be viewed. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful opening. And what I take away from that is your core values haven't changed from when you were just a young man uh, shaking hands and then dealing with crisis in high school and taking sort of that first step to the way you operate uh, as a leader in today's market, uh, you know, a few short years later, um, your, your core values haven't changed. And I think that is what is so important when we look at organizations is really understanding what people's core values are. And I think for me, I'm, I'm wondering in this, in this new world, in this remote setting, you know, how, how do you maintain those core values, perhaps in conversation with your team members uh, across your organization when you can't shake a hand anymore? I think genuineness and, and authenticity, you know, I, I studied leadership theory in this authentic leadership theory of delivering on what you say and also being intentional about those uh, communication points. Um, that was one of, a, one of the things that we really focused on two years ago now as the world went remote was let's build time to have those conversations. I believe that 80% of our learning comes from meaningful conversations. And I refer to those as those standing in the doorway uh, conversations. So how do we replicate that in a remote world? And thankfully, we have tools like Zoom, we have Microsoft Teams, we have all those communication products, but just scheduling those times and, and scheduling, you know, in the, in, the, in the HR world that we call them one-on-ones, but scheduling those 15-minute micro one-on-ones to just say, hey, how are you this morning? What's your plan for the day? Because those are the things we talk about in the, in the lounge. Those are the things we talk about in doorways and how are you? And, and if you're intentional about that, you can maintain those relationships over time. The challenge comes in with senior people and when they get overbooked. And, and I think that's one of those tips uh, for, for leaders is you have to guard your calendar for those leadership opportunities. Um, there's a lot of leaders that focus on leading up as opposed to leading who they're ch in charge of leading and, and being intentional about blocking that time to have those conversations is really significant. And I think it's really helped me to maintain that, that connectivity with, with team members. Yeah, I think the thread that ties us together is servant leadership and really inverting the triangle, uh, servant leadership really being the basis of um, you serve the people that report to you and uh, the best way that you can do that, as, as, as I'm hearing from you today, is really to communicate well and set up some time to chat and just ask how people are doing. I love that doorway conversation. You can just see that kind of visually, right, with a cup of, cup of coffee or tea in the morning and uh, just see how folks are doing as we're, as we're walking around the office virtually, um, which is a great, way, great place to start. So when you think about that, have you been able to execute on that strategy? Do you, do you carve out 15-minute increments uh, do you block your calendar? 
um, if I was an up and coming, you know, people leader, what would you tell me to do? Absolutely. That's the number one thing you have to do as a leader. Um, I, as I told you, my background, I think pretty simple and, and I'm pretty, pretty pragmatic in my thinking. And when, when you start getting those titles of manager, director, vice president, we spend a lot of time on the technical competence of that, but that leadership part of it, that's why we pay you more and that leadership part. So that has to be your priority. So you have to carve out those times. And that's what I've had to be intentional about. And it, it will um, not necessarily make you popular with people that want to get on your calendar and want to talk about other things, but you have to remain focused that your job is a leader first. Um, years ago, I had a, a mentor say, um, you can't lead where you won't go and you can't teach what you don't know. And that's a simple understanding. And if you're not passing those things on to those with whom you're in charge, then, then we can sub that out, right? We can, we can find a program or an app that'll do your job for you. So yes, you, you have to be intentional about blocking that time. And, and it, it was a, you know, it was a process. I'll be honest. It was a process because I wanted to block an hour because I like to talk a lot. So I kind of found that sweet spot was I, I didn't want to take our talent acquisition director out of the fight for three hours a week to hear quirky time, right? So, so you have to be aware that you, you still want people to be productive. So I, I think for me, that sweet spot's kind of 15 minutes. If it's a new person or someone that comes on, obviously you'll need a little bit more, but it's just that, that intentional time of how are you today? What's your plan? And, and then you kind of move on through it. Yeah, that, that's beautifully said. And, and thank you for the pro tip. Um, I, I guess I got to ask this question because I'm thinking it. That means other people are thinking it, which is, okay, you're, you got 20 years of military experience. We've got this younger generation in the workforce that is not necessarily of the same generation as you, my friend. And they look at things maybe a smidge differently than you do. Uh, they grew up in a different economy, in a different world, um, with different tools and different technology. Um, so how, how does your military career allow you to, to communicate effectively with this next generation? Tom, I'm a little bit obsessed with understanding age cohorts. And I've spent a lot of time because I, I just kind of refuse to believe that all the stereotypes of millennials and Gen Z... I refuse to believe that the world is diminished moving forward. So I, I truly, in my heart of hearts, and can back it up with peer-reviewed articles, <laughs> the millennials and Gen Zs aren't that much different than my generation. My initial response when I retired from the military, that played a part in my decision to retire after 20 years. I, I was really struggling to understand this younger generation of um, middle managers and leaders um, because I had this impression they were selfish. So um, it really requires leaders to be better. And I, I guess that's kind of where I'm going with this is millennials and Gen Zs, they want what our generation wanted. We, as in baby boomers and Gen X, we just gave up on that. We do not hold leaders accountable. 
We have not held leaders accountable. We've stated organizations for pension plans. We've stated organizations not to disrupt our medical benefits. We've stated organizations because we held on to hope that that next year was the year that I would be noticed. That's right. Yeah. And, right. And we stayed for loyalty. We stayed because we felt like it was the right thing to do. The younger generations hold us accountable in a way that we haven't been held accountable. They will leave. And, and, and we, we look at their resumes and we say, oh, they're a job hopper. I, I try to look at it from a different lens, and that very well could be true. They could be job hoppers. They could be dissatisfied and never, never will be pleased. But you have to ask those questions. Why did you leave? And the majority of the time they left because their expectations with the organization's expectations did not align. And that's a leader responsibility, right? If, if someone says that I feel like I am a A, and if you as a leader feel like they're a B or a C, then that's on you to let them know your expectation of them. And it shouldn't be a surprise. So, right, so we have to ensure that we're communicating. They want feedback. They want a plan. They want to know what's next for them in the organization and in their career. That's not selfishness. That's just them trying to, to take care of themselves because this is the generation that was raised by Gen Xers and baby boomers that lost their pensions, right? That saw organizations that we trusted do unethical things and fail. So Gen X was the entrepreneurs. Millennials and Gen Z still have that entrepreneurial spirit, but they also have an obligation and a need to receive feedback. So organizations that are not training their leaders to provide consistent feedback, they're going to feel the pain. We're talking about, you know, the great resignation and all these factors that play into the staffing crisis. Yeah, the turnover tsunami. And I, I love it. I love it when leaders sort of point the finger and uh, love it is a bit tongue in cheek here, but love it when a leader points a finger and says it's millennials and Gen Z's. They're the problem. And I think, you know, you got to turn it around and point the thumb and you've got to say, look, I'm a leader. I'm accountable. Uh, I'm accountable for this turnover. And clearly I'm not giving my organization, my teams throughout the organization, the right tools, resources, support, coaching, development, et cetera to maintain, uh, you know, my talent base. And, you know, where I sit, it, there's very few answers other than pointing the thumb and being accountable as a leader to say, I, I have control over this if I choose to engage and choose to provide the right support uh, for this, you know, let's just call it what it is, a modern workforce uh, that, uh, that has incredible skills and, and knows it this time, right? Uh, you know, I think people are not afraid to say, I am really good as a marketer or whatever your skill is, and I can take that somewhere else. I'm marketable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you hit on a key point there with pointing the finger. If we outsource our problems, we have no control of them. And, you know, if we say it's the millennials or it's Gen Z and we, we strap all these stereotypes to them, as leaders, we have no control over that. So, you know, I, I choose to say, okay, how can I impact this? If I know I have a generation or a workforce now, um, because I think the number is somewhere around 
by by 2024, Gen Z will make up 40% of our workforce. So we better figure it out or the great resignation and the tsunami turnover is not going anywhere. So we have to take control of that. And we can't do that as long as we point the finger and say, well, we just, it's on us, right? As leaders, we're the ones that, that aren't getting what they need. So, so we have to be intentional in that feedback, in those conversations to ensure that our expectations align with what their expectations are and be honest and, and work through those challenges as they come. And, and I've learned a lot of this. I, I have a 24 year old daughter and I, I get to be her full-time consultant as she's entering, you know, her, her professional career. And I hear the things she says and I said, okay, listen, this is what you need to ask your your manager. You need to have this conversation. Sure. And and you know and and you need to kind of take control. If you're curious about these things, you need to ask. Don't don't sit back. And and that's my I think opportunity to to help millennials and Gen Z is you can't just get upset and send a text message and resign. You need to ask those questions. It's a leader's responsibility to provide feedback. But I also put that on the, the employees is it's your responsibility to further your career and ask for feedback also. That, that's right. And look, that's why five years ago uh, I started a company called Leg Up, uh, which you're very familiar with. Uh, and the, uh, the whole idea and premise behind Leg Up is that it provides training and coaching and mentorship uh, for employees within an organization that you can't get to all the time. And that need that support and coaching and feedback loop and constant sort of uh, engagement on how to have these difficult conversations. And so, you know, there are there are systems, there are platforms, there are ways to get this done where it doesn't have to fall on the head of people or the, the head of HR where it's their responsibility for a few thousand employees because um, it's not possible at that point. But you can deliver this uh, throughout uh, an organization, which... Uh, which is a tool that uh, that folks can use. Um, now, now I'm I'm thinking about this. And I know you know we've partnered together in 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 the past um, to support your employees. What what was your experience in working with with our team uh, over at Leg Up, Corky? You know, Tom, we we entered the the relationship, and our number one focus was to address burnout. Uh, we currently have 35 senior housing communities in six western states. And we targeted the executive director, so the senior person at each community. Um, and I believe that was the summer uh, following March COVID. Uh, that summer, we just saw a, a group of people that were in the healthcare industry, they, they call it compassion fatigue, to where they were just absolutely exhausted from, from the process changes, the policy changes, the, the, you know, the difficult conversations they were having on a daily basis. And so um, we partner with, with Leg Up to give some coaching to these executive directors and our regional directors who were in charge of multiple communities um, just to give them an outlet and give them some tools to really focus on how can I improve my resiliency? How can I expand my toolkit with some coping mechanisms and, and, and to get past this. And we absolutely um, 
loved the relationship because we saw immediate impact. We saw our retention rate increase. We saw people that had been frowning for two months smile and, and feel hope, right? At the end of the day, a leader's job is to provide hope and caring. And, and that really struck a chord with, with our executive directors and regional directors in that they felt like, okay, we have, they do hear me. They do hear me and, and we have an opportunity now to, um, to continue. And we actually expanded our relationship and we're targeting other folks for professional development, you know, succession planning. We want to give them tools to improve their self-awareness, to see those areas that stand out to them that, that are willing to work on it. Because that's to not to rehash the age cohorts, but that is a, a group that is committed to continuously learning and improvement. Um, they have grown up with the access to information. You know, they, they do not sit and wonder. They're continuously evolving. You mentioned marketing earlier, and there's a large percentage of millennials and Gen Zs, probably Gen Zs more than millennials, that have marketed themselves on social media their entire lives. Yeah, that's right. And they do a beautiful job of it, right? <laughs> um, and, and it's Maybe not transparent, but they do a beautiful job of it. Yeah, fair, fair <laughs> enough. Um, it might be. It might be a little. Uh, there might be a touch-up photo here and there um, <laughs> right. from time to time. I would imagine. Uh, well, look. It, it sounds like you've spent some time thinking about this, and and you clearly are a passionate person. You care about people. You care about your employees. How do how do you do that um, in a meaningful way? How do you how do you show that sort of empathetic side to your organization or or to your teams? Caring, you know, caring looks different in every organization. Um, and I think just sitting down, um, there, there used to be all these terms in the counseling world, knee to knee, oak tree counseling, all these things. But they really are just that overwhelming form of empathy that you know it when you see it. And, and having those conversations and teaching leaders the impact that that has, right? It, the impact that just caring for someone and showing that compassion and then the consistency that comes along with that, right? It's really easy to say, I care about you, but am I going that next step further? And for me, caring and accountability are a two-way street. I care enough to hold you accountable. I care enough to tell you, you did a great job. I care enough to tell you, you need to work on this area. So I think that's the key with caring is, I tell people all the time, and I, I, I have this saying that once, when I hear it the first time, I'll give you credit for it. The second time I'll probably say, I don't remember who said it. And then the third time it's mine. So <laughs> I'll just, you know, I, I think it's, it's that, you know, you have to care enough to hold someone accountable. Yeah, but- and, and that really is the key. Do, do you ever see the other side of that? Come on, Corky, you, you got to be nicer. I mean, don't hold me accountable. I, you know, I, I've got thing, other things in my life. I've got other things to do. Uh, I can't possibly make that deadline. Uh, why, why, are you, why are you so mean? Do you ever get that feedback? Well, I think that's the, the key is you can be hard and have high expectations without being mean. You know, you, 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 and, I, and I think it starts with being willing to roll your sleeves up being willing to 
okay, that's a huge project that I gave you. So where can I help? What barriers can I remove? I, I train leaders all the time that your job as a leader is to remove obstacles, right? You have to remove obstacles. And, and I think that's the thing is you have to know and be bought in to caring and being willing to, okay, yes, that is a, that is a tall hill, but I know when to pull you and I know when to push you. And I have complete confidence that you can come over this. And then when we get on the other side, we'll laugh about how easy it was. So you just have to roll your sleeves up and get involved um, to do that. And, and I, I think it's challenging, Tom, at certain levels in the organization, that's challenging. It, it is, but I think you said something that probably resonates with most, which is roll your sleeves up and, and get in the bunker and, uh, and, and be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And, you know, don't abstain on your vote. You've got to get in and you gotta, you've got to help your team win and you've got to figure this out. And I think that's critically important, whether it, it doesn't matter if you're a people leader or you're an individual contributor and you're a member of a team, you have to stretch outside of yourself You've got to find a way to be a good teammate uh, in corporate roles. It just, it is what it is. If you can't be that, there are other roles outside of corporate that, you know, maybe a better fit uh, in, in, in terms of an individual capacity, right? Where right. you can and be an entrepreneur yeah. or, or any of those roles outside of a, of a big company. Yeah. And leadership is, is not for everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the camp that believes leadership can be trained. I'm also in the camp that understands there's some people that just have God-given ability that makes them makes leadership easier for them. But I, I truly believe that you can learn empathy. I truly believe you can learn courage, right? We all learn to ride a bike. And, and that's the, the pure example of, I, I hear that most, well, how do you teach courage, right? Well, courage is, is learnable. We all climbed a tree for the first time. We all rode a bike for the first time, right? And, and then there's sometimes where you have to borrow someone's courage, right? You have to, you need that teammate that says, okay, come on. And they put their arm around you and, and you go on and you have to borrow their courage. But, but I'm, I really believe that you have to be able to learn those things. And, and that's the, the, the wonderful thing about leadership is it's not for everybody. And if you don't want to put the work in, then don't, don't raise your hand. You know, there, there's nothing more um, challenging for organizations than lazy leaders, right? They're not willing to put the work in. Well, 100%. And, and the way that I view the work is, is a very simplistic view of the world. It's those that have an open mind versus those that have a closed mind. And if you have an open mind and you're willing to listen to new ideas, new products, new ways of thinking, new ways of approaching a problem, then you're probably set up to be a pretty effective leader. You've got most of the tools in your toolbox. You might need some development. You might need some help from others, like you said. But if you've got an open mind, you're almost there. Now, firstly, if you, if you have a closed mindset, you know, it's going to rain today. Uh, this isn't the right job for me. How could I possibly support anybody else when I'm not sure I like my own job? Those are closed mindsets. Those are really hard people to make leaders and they're really hard people to kind of help grow as well because they haven't gotten enough confidence yet in themselves to, to allow themselves to be vulnerable. Yeah, and that, to your point on the open-mindedness, that just improves your influence, 
right? And your sphere of influence, because that's how leadership grows. There's only so many people in the world you can tell what to do. But if you're closed minded, then you just shrink that circle and you shrink that sphere. If you're open minded, you'll learn more about people. That's one of the things I'm most thankful for my military career. I grew up in a small town in North Carolina. It's really a funny story. My wife and I, our first duty assignment was Hawaii. Didn't suck. Uh, It was great. (laughs) And uh, so we were those small town kids from the mountains of North Carolina that we would sit on a hill and just look at the big city lights of Honolulu. So my exposure was really limited until I joined the military. And then, I mean, I, I didn't, I'd never met someone from Missouri. I'd never met someone from uh, California. So it, it was really, as you just progress in your career, you have to seek out those opportunities to learn more and to gain more perspective on people. It enables you to connect with people differently. I feel like it enables you to show empathy differently because you hear about someone else's experience um, that, that they've been through and it gives you a perspective now to understand that a little bit differently. So I think those are one of the, you know, if there's a development story to be told, leaders, you have to get to know people. You have to get to know different people with different backgrounds and understand where they come from. And that's, you know, that goes back to these, these different age cohorts. Um, we can't blame them, right? They, they grew up with a phone in their hand. That's right. But I think it starts with understanding your own story. And I, I don't think anybody uh, expects to be Corky uh, growing up uh, in a small town uh, in the hills of North Carolina. But we've all got our own origin story. We've all got the place we came from and the parents that raised us or the grandparents or, you know, the community that we were involved in. And I think before you can start to really take in others, you got to really understand your own origin story. No matter what it is, it could be really fabulous on paper or not so fabulous on paper or a blend, right? And for most of us, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Let's be honest, right? And so you've got to sort of take that in and say, look, I own this story. It's my story, right? And now how can I take that and listen to others and improve my areas of understanding and and openness towards other people? Yep. Very true. Very true. We have to appreciate where we came from and the the things that we learned and the things that we didn't learn in some cases. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So as you think about learning and and support of others and your origin story, um, what are the things that you take into into your day at work? And like, what are you providing for employees? What what basics do you provide for your employee base? Beans and bullets, Tom. Beans and bullets. Beans and bullets. This, yeah, uh, this we, sounds like it's got an army context to it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you have to give them the basics, right? You have to understand what those basics are you're providing. And outstanding leadership is the beginning. Um, every organization in the world, if we did a scientific poll and pulled the values and, and mission vision value for every organization, there's some connotation to leadership and management. And we have to provide those basics. And it's going to be different for every person, for every organization, for all those. But you have to know that as a leader, 
right? You have to know that. The Army, the Army understands their basics. We have to feed the troops and we have to equip them, right? And as leaders in, in corporate world or in nonprofits or in whatever it may be, you have to understand what are those basics. And, and for me, that's leadership and it starts with caring. It, I, I've said it 15 times already and hopefully you'll delete some of those, but it really starts with caring and, and just this commitment to others um, to, to provide what they need and to help them through their day. And sometimes that's a nudge, right? Sometimes it's a hug. Not, not a real hug, but sometimes it's, it's comfort, sometimes it's encouragement, and sometimes it's discipline. And, and we have to know what those are and what we're providing. Um, but it just comes back to, to just basic common sense leadership. Um, and, and I think it's an opportunity. I, I truly believe that the, the smart factor in business has shrunk. And if organizations are going to have a competitive advantage, it's in leadership. It's in, in how do they move the force forward? Because we can Google the answer for almost everything. You know, in, in, in real estate investment, the principles are basically the same. Each company will have a different performa and different hurdles, but it's basically the same. Operations, you go into any hotel in the world and you're basically going to get the same things maybe on a different level. And that's what I mean when I say that smart factor. The, the, the next, unless you're on the level of, of Elon Musk and some of those other geniuses in the world, you gotta make up ground in leadership. You gotta make up ground in the people business. And that's what excites me most about human resources and, and, and the work you're doing and the work we're doing is that it, it really gets back to those basics of people and taking care of people and encouraging them to to be the best version of themselves. Yeah, and and in the spirit of people and being the best version of ourselves, I got to ask the humbling question because it to me it feels like you've had this beautiful career. You've you're so uh, thoughtful about the way you approach people, but have you ever made any mistakes along the way? Is this a is this a perfect track record of uh, you know behind you in, in the last couple of decades? Well, it would be a pretty, pretty boring Netflix series if there weren't any, any uh, toe stubs along the way, I think. Um, and I think the, the best method of learning is failure. And I have certainly failed. And the, the one that I think about the most and I use the most as a learning opportunity, um, 2007, 2008, I... Um, started a new position. This position I was going into, I was following a, a legendary leader. And, and I mean that in every sense of the word, legendary. Was well known across the command, everyone knew him. They left because they were getting promoted. And I went in and my boss at the time asked me, because he was a big football fan, he asked me, are you gonna be Barry Switzer or are you gonna be Chan Gailey? And for those not familiar with the Dallas Cowboys, Barry Switzer followed uh, Jimmy Johnson in his Super Bowl titles, and Chan Gailey followed Barry Switzer in his Super Bowl titles. Very different career paths, right? Barry Switzer went on to the Hall of Fame. Chan Gailey went back to being a position coach. So he said, what are you going to be? And so I took this position, 
with a lot of pressure that I put on myself and that the organization had put on. And I found myself when I went in for the first quarter, I was trying to be him. I was trying to lead the team like he led the team. He was a very charismatic leader, a great multitasker. He could have 15 different things going in the air and to stay with the the football, he ran a run and shoot offense. The ball was flying all around and he was equipped to be able to manage that. And that was his style. That was his leadership that was his style, style. His leadership shadow. And and you're taking this new job and they're saying, are you going to be able to keep up with the guy that you're replacing uh, yep. in this role? And so I went in trying to be him. I went in and tried to replicate what he had done in his style and failed miserably, Tom. Miserably. Um had the conversation with my boss about being Chan Gailey and only one thing changed in that building and it was me. Uh, so had those real honest conversations and I had, you know, a bit of a, I'll call it an epiphany to make it sound better, but it was really, uh Oh, I'm going to get fired and my career is over if I don't figure out what I'm doing. And I went in the next morning and sat the team down and was very vulnerable and said, listen, I've let you down for the past 90 days because I tried to lead like him. I can't lead like him. I'm not equipped to lead like him. We need to run the ball on first and second down. We need to have manageable third downs, and we need to play solid defense. We had to slow, not the pace of production down, but I had to put processes in place to ensure that I knew what was going on and I was being the resource that the team needed because I was all over the place. I had no idea, I had no process, so I put office hours in place, I put admin time on my calendar, I put specific times to talk with each team member about what they needed, um, because I just couldn't, I couldn't survive the way that I was. And thankfully, we turned it around, we got back to the production from the previous uh, leader, and the story ended wonderful, but it was, enlightening to me because I I realized and it really solidified that leaders have to understand who they are and what their strengths are. Um, It's it's easy to use the analogy of an introvert and an extrovert, right? You you walk into a room and you walk into a room of a hundred people and to go back to the story, my predecessor could walk into a room of a hundred people and 99 want to talk to him. That wasn't me. I could walk into a room of 100 people and hopefully there would be two people in there that could talk about sports or the army and, <laughs> and I would be able to talk to them. So you, you, leaders have to understand their strengths and their weaknesses and they have to understand when to flex and when to educate themselves. I saw a huge gap in my understanding of age cohorts that led me to walking away from a career. I mean, it's not that... I I tell it in a victorious way, but the reality was I felt like a failure because I had no idea how to connect to this younger generation. So I made a commitment to understanding what I didn't know as a leader. Um, And and I think that's the the basis of it. And I appreciate you asked that because it's a key thing for for leaders to recognize that, that we're humans also. But you have to be vulnerable enough to share that and 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 in some cases say that to your team you know hey i've let you down and now we're going to move forward 
Yeah, vulnerability and leadership just makes you more human and it makes you more approachable and people feel like they don't have to be perfect around you. And that creates a conversation that that really brings a team together um, in, in personal ways and in professional ways. Uh, and that's really where the magic happens. And um, Corky, we have covered just an absolute ton on, on this discussion today. I mean, we, we've gone from the org- origin story of a, a kid in North Carolina, right, to, to really understanding how to focus on individuals and, and understand the age cohorts. Um, and I love what you said. Look, Generation Z, Generation uh, Millennial, they're just holding people accountable. That's it. They want the same things. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite points that you made today. And then really understanding that providing the basics of compassion and caring and accountability to a workforce is probably the most important thing we can do as as leaders. Uh, the beans and bullets, I think is what you called it. Uh, we gotta gotta give them beans and bullets um, to make sure they have what they need. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. You've got such a terrific background and um, we're so privileged to have you and and, and your organization at MBK is, is fortunate to have you on the team. I'm sure you feel the same way about the leaders you work with there, too. Um, how, how can we find you, Corky? Where, where can somebody track you down if they want to get a hold of you? Uh, Tom, the easiest way would be on LinkedIn. There's not too many Corky Curtises out there. So C-O-R-K-Y-C-U-R-T-I-S on LinkedIn is the, the easiest way. And, and I'll tell you, I... In, in your wrap-up, I think the best thing is leaders just have to understand, just do the little things. Just keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate leadership. Do the simple things. Take care of people. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to end it. Take care of people. Uh, Corky, thank you for joining the podcast, and thank you all for joining the Talent Empowerment Podcast. I hope this conversation lifted you up so you can lift up your teams and your organizations. We'll catch you on the next episode, but until then... Let's get back to people and culture together. Thank you, Corky. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Talent Empowerment. For more information on our show and today's guests, head to the show notes or visit talentempowerment.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening so you never miss an opportunity to empower yourself and your people. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps the show grow. And a final thank you to our sponsor, LegUp, and their people development program, Talent Insurance. To learn more about how they guarantee retention, employee well-being, and employee performance through one-on-one professional coaching, visit legup.com. That's L-E-G-G-U-P.com.